Hey there, film fans. I am Jeff. I'm Dave. I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. We are positive, and we are this week talking about new movies. We are talking about new movies positively. No stuffy film criticism <laughs> podcasts here, people. That's why we made this our drinking game to make sure, because if we say anything stupid or negative about a film, you're going to hear this sound. Drink! That sounds mean this that means that we are drinking, <laughs> and we hope that you are drinking as well. Yeah. So, pour yourselves a glass. Give it up for a film we love and a film that um, the internet seemed to think needed some love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can't they, add that. The, the internet was saying that before the movie even came out, to be fair. So we'll yeah, talk about well, I mean, that. That's, that's, that's right. Our two no, films. That's, that's the new internet. <laughs> the new internet. Yeah. This movie yeah. sucks. Did you see it? Of course not. All right. But before yeah, we get into shooting films, it yet. let's send it over to John for, <laughs> let's send it to John for some shout outs. Shout outs. We have a beer sponsor. His name is Carlos Barroso. You can give him a follow on Instagram. The handle is cbarroso bar 2019. That is C-B-A-R-R-O-Z-O-B-A-R-2019. And as always, the music you hear on this episode and every motherfucking episode is provided by the artist Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. If you're digging the music, head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist, and you can download everything for free. Guys, wow. Is that, is that dig it or dig in? That's a reference to one of our movies that we're going to be talking about, people, because this Ooh, is the eighth week of our It Was the Best of Film, It Was the Worst of Film of 2020 series, where we pair a supposedly mm. good film that may be nominated for some Oscars with a supposedly bad film that may be nominated for some Razzies. Uh, Dave might give us a shout out later because the Razzies did release a long list. Right. So you yes, can see all of the potential nominees are on that list. That does not mean everybody on the list will list will be nominated, but our podcast is doing a pretty damn good job. So stay with us for all of your Razzies news. And of course, the disclaimer is that our various sources were online odds makers. These were not chosen as films that we are either rooting for or against. So with that, before we get into our two films that we are going to be discussing, I say we do a quick round of what you've been watching, people. A quick round of what you've been watching. Dave, would you like to go first? Sure. I, I had a week of finishing things. Um, so all these shows that I got behind on, um, I, I finished up Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I finished up 12 Monkeys. Nice. And I have to say, 12 Monkeys did it better. Ah. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. went out in a classy way, but 12 Monkeys did it better. Mm, cool. um, of course, I, of course I, I'm all over WandaVision, um, like everybody else. And I finally caught... Uh, I'm, only, I'm halfway through it. I didn't get to finish it. Um, the Netflix film Space Sweepers. Space <laughs> Sweepers. Yes, it's a it's a Korean film, and it is some of the most ridiculously epic space action and crazy <laughs> robot scenarios you've ever seen in your life. Nice, dude. Nice. Yeah. Shout it's out. it's it's good fun. It's good fun. It's it's campy. It's cheesy. Sweet. That yeah. Cool, dude. John. I saw, um, watch these, obviously. I watched a, uh, a movie from that did really well at Sundance in like 2012. It's called On the Ice. It's by uh, Andrew McLean. Um, I had never heard of him or seen it before, but uh, I really did enjoy it. It takes place in the very most northern city of Alaska. So, you know, the Inuit people, like contemporary, modern, of course, a little murder mystery situation it was pretty cool. Um, 
And then I finally tuned in to the A24 virtual screening of Minari this week on a Wednesday evening. Mm. And holy shit. I mean, I cannot say enough. Mm. It was, uh, I said, I loved the vast of night on this. Um, that's probably like kind of my fan favorite, just like sci-fi, you know, it's not, it's not as heavy of drama as something like Minari or sound of metal, but those two are, are up yeah. there for me for sure. I think uh, I'm hoping we that were, we were going to watch out. that all. We were going to watch that all together, but the tickets were gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Minari screenings did sell out yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah, so it was twenty bucks a pop, but it was like that's probably the best twenty bucks I've spent all year. It was, uh, it was so powerful, so yeah, delicate, sure. such an intimate film. I can't say enough about it. So hopefully everybody will get to see it before the Oscars come out. Definitely recommend it. Yeah, it'll be available for video on demand through Prime and through anybody else. I think in a month, so it'll happen, and hopefully we can add it to our list. I also watched the first episode. I also watched the first episode of Pharaoh versus Allen. Ooh. <laughs> Oh sticky, yeah, sticky, sticky stuff there. I'm excited. Apparently, to see it gets that. worse. Yeah, I'm sure it does. <laughs> I'm curious. Excited is not the yeah. right word. I'm uh, apprehensive and curious and interested to see the rest of it. But um, Jesus Christ, wow, Jeff. Nice. Yeah, coming soon um, under a bus near you. <laughs> I, I had this is. I, I'm going into spring break somehow. It's February, but we're going into fucking spring break at my grad school. So this week was busy. All I did was catch up on WandaVision. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say this though. I I had a twist spoiled for me by accident i was listening to a podcast and wasn't paying attention and then all of a sudden i heard the twist and knowing that knowing knowing the twist the show suffered knowing the twist in my opinion that's what i think it was one of those oh huh that's how they did it cool but it's fun it's fucking fun it's filmed so well and I'm, i'm i'm a huge fan but yeah knowing the twist so don't know the twist before you go in if you can uh and then of course <laughs> rupaul uk and i know i know that the 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 um the fucking reality show stuff is you guys okay i was not into the reality show stuff but the bachelor is blowing up right now for in the worst way the host had to step away there's (laughs) a huge controversy it's fucking falling apart the the girls keep leaving the bachelor (laughs) they keep being like you know what bro like i'm happy to be on tv but like i can't handle you so i'm out and he like is starting to notice it so i know it's reality television but it's falling apart and it's fucking great does does the buzzer work the, the buzzer the buzzer does work i'll show you yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeff. <laughs> all right that's it okay hey, oh, todd, todd from uh, todd from australia just joined anyway. us so uh todd every time you hey, every time you hear a buzzer uh make sure you drink drink a long yes, time that's right. yeah what, what time is it in australia yeah, right now uh, yeah something like that yeah what time is okay, it okay it's about, about lunchtime you can get drunk at lunch all right thank you all for going on that sojourn with us but it is time to get into this week's episode here the featured segment so this week we'll be discussing <laughs> the incredibly powerful Judas and the Black Messiah, starring Daniel Woo. Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, available now on HBO Max, and Ooh. COVID hotbeds known as cinemas. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't been to any of those in a while, but uh, right, if you want some re-op- COVID, you can go ahead and check out Judas and the Black Messiah. Reopening in New York on the uh, 5th of March. Yeah. Cinemas. Check yeah. it out. Get those vaccines going, J&J, baby. Uh, that is currently nominated for two Golden Globes, which, if you know our podcast, we record on Sunday nights, so that is about to start. So I'm sorry that we can't give you any yeah, feedback I'm about sure that. We're missing but anyway, nothing. Daniel Kaluuya, no. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Kaluuya and the song written by her are nominated. Uh, we will later be discussing Disney's Mulan remake, which will be our, of course, presumed Razzie film. Reviews were actually okay on Rotten Tomatoes, but um, it was propelled into the Razzie conversation a long time ago when people started giving a crap for releasing on Disney Plus a paid subscription service 
for an additional $30 video on demand surcharge, basically telling families in the middle of a pandemic trying to find something for their kids to watch. Hey, we know you're struggling with in-home school and declining social skills, but this movie was very expensive. So get a job. <laughs> was uh, that was the voice too. of Disney. <laughs> get a job. <laughs> that was the voice of oh. Disney as they lay as they laid off 30,000 entertainment workers who turned to federal support for assistance. Anyway, not Disney's fault, but then it received some negative press, hot, hot off the presses for apparently filming some scenes in Xijing, which is home of the Uyghur Muslim concentration camps. And they thanked the government of Xijing, China in their credits, basically thanking a government that has active concentration camps tearing families apart in mm. China right now in their credits. Disney. So mm. they got so much backlash. The government, <laughs> yeah, the government of China, the, of, of all of China, apparently, the Communist Party of China contacted American press, the American press, and said, don't cover our film this way. Like, the, the, the government tried to threaten, like, the New York Times. So everybody was like, fuck you, Razzies, all, all around. So anyway, that is going to be in the Razzie film. Was it really that bad? You're going to find out soon. Stick with us. But first... Judas and the Black Messiah, our film that is probably going to be nominated for some Oscars. So let's talk about it. It is produced by Ryan Coogler, who you probably know from Black Panther and Creed and Fruitvale Station. And he just signed a, what I'm assuming is an e-fucking-normous holding deal with Disney to basically produce content over the course of the next few years. Um, It's directed by Shaka King. It stars Daniel Kaluuya, Lickfield, Jesse Plemons, and Martin Sheen. It's available on HBO Max. It is about Fred Hamm, played by Daniel Kaluuya, the real-life, young, charismatic activist of the Chicago Party of the Black Panthers, who becomes the chairman of the entire Illinois chapter, putting him directly in the crosshairs of the government, the FBI, and the Chicago police. But to destroy the revolution, the authorities are going to need a man on the inside. So in comes Bill O'Neill, who infiltrates the Black Panther Party, per racist FBI agent Mitchell and the racist as fucking fuck J. Edgar Hoover, played by Plemons and Sheen, respectively. As party chairman Fred Hampton ascends, falling for a fellow revolutionary. A battle wages for O'Neill's soul. Yada, yada, yada. That is Judas and the Black Messiah. Who would like to step away with their initial thoughts first? So powerful. What when did you guys watch this? Was it did you watch it like last night or a week ago or I watched this today. I watched it last night. I think I watched this after we signed off last weekend. And I've been thinking about it all week for sure. It's it's one of those movies that uh you know, I'm hoping we can kind of dissect it a little bit. This does not feel, and I mean this in a positive way, this does not feel like the the 80s and 90s were full of movies like these do a really nice feature film length telling of a true political biopic kind of story. We saw a lot of those in the 80s and 90s and the production values through the roof. I'm not talking about anything technically. I can't even really put my finger on it. So I'm kind of hoping you guys might be able to help me. This did not feel like those. And yet I thought it still gave me exactly what I was looking for. I got a, I learned something. I was super entertained. I was I was moved, I was motivated and this just just the big picture mystery how did they release it seems like sometimes movies just get released when like a, something happens in society and then they're like oh we have the movie for that. Like how did this movie come out right after the summer of 2020? It's nuts. 
It's not that this mm. was locked and loaded and in the can. I mean, I hope that stories like this would, you know, if, always be ready to go. But I felt like this was this came out exactly when we needed it. Maybe when things, you know, cooled down a little bit and we have a little bit of reflection, which some people say is kind of a negative thing that we're we're too quiet now. We're not in the streets anymore. But a movie like this is is still coming out exactly when it needs to be. I think, and I just can't stop thinking about it. And I'm hoping. Daniel Kaluuya wins for this. I, I think he might deserve it. I feel like it's uh, it's going to seal the fate of this movie if they get some kind of Oscar or Golden Globe for it. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah. I think, John, uh, you mentioned Daniel Kaluuya, and I think that very early in this segment leads into my favorite segment of all time, which is... Is this category fraud? That's right, people. <laughs> this is the segment. Is this category fraud is this category <laughs> fraud now there is precedent there's historical precedent for category fraud i'm thinking about michael in the godfather who's considered a supporting actor despite his very large screen time and then christoph waltz reignited it in the 2000s with two oscar wins in which he has a shit ton of screen time and the queen of them all alicia vikander who has 59 minutes and 40 seconds of screen time for her best supporting actress win for the danish girl in 1997, two actors, the actor and actress, their combined screen time was less than her supporting actress screen time. So here we are, Daniel Kaluuya, who may very well be the frontrunner for the Oscar, a Best Supporting Actor this year. John, is this category fraud? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dave, Dave, do you think this is category fraud? Uh, wait, so he's, he's up for supporting actor? Supporting, Yeah. 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 Oh, Thal, so much. Thank you so, so, so much for joining us here on our segment of Is This Category Fraud? As Dave plays my playoff here, I... Play it again. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, our Ricky Martin playoff. And just for fun, John, I want to say this. Fuck you, John. There we go. This has been Is This Category Fraud? It's not offensive if if it's in harmony. Yeah, I know. I mean... (laughs) If you if you if you're anybody who watches the Academy Awards, you might not think it's category fraud because we've seen it so many times. And this movie does almost do a good job at not giving you Daniel's point of view. It almost gives you Lakia's point of view the entire time, but it doesn't. It eventually does slip into into Daniel's character's point of view. Fred Hampton about halfway through. There's a specific scene where I was like and pivot where he's laying in bed with her. And I was like, oh, we're definitely in his point of view now, and he is no longer a supporting actor. We're not I, seeing mm. him through the guise of the FBI I or mean, through the guise of Lakeith Stanfield. In in their defense, uh, the reason he's listed as a supporting actor is because the main character was supposed to be O'Neill. It, yeah, it, yeah, it is. Yeah. But you just you, yeah. you yeah. want to get the whole from Fred his, Hampton they, well, story. They, they, did the story from, they did the story from his perspective um, because I no, one's, no one's ever come at it that way. But that's what I'm saying. I, th- I feel like they did that for the first half of the movie and then about halfway then, through, yeah. they, they share it. Snuck it in there, yeah. Yeah, and then after he gets, for anyone who doesn't know, spoiler alert, this is a real life story, Fred Hampton was murdered by the fucking FBI. That's, that's what fucking happened. And this movie basically shows you one version of that probably likely happened. So there is a last like 20 or 30 minutes where it is mostly about Bill O'Neill, Lakeith Sanfield's character, and you do return to that perspective. But there is a big chunk in the middle of this movie that has a lot of climactic acting work. Daniel Kaluuya is screaming his face off in a lot of big speeches, and it is not consistently over Lakeith's shoulder looking at him. It is 
with close up with Daniel Kaluuya. So technically, I don't even know if I feel like I all mucho respect to Shock King. I feel like he made a great movie, but I think even he knows he's like I think Daniel's going to win this motherfucker because we qualified for category yeah, yeah, fraud, yeah. and I think he's he's I got feel, it in the bag because of I it. Do, I do. Part of me feels bad for bringing it up because I actually really hope. Kaluuya gets it because he's a, he's a revelation. He's so good. Me too, he, he's been amazing in everything. He's so. He's good. also a team player because I know Black <laughs> yeah, Panther I mean, was early in the, his career. The nominations but like, nominations haven't come out yet, have they? No, but but so I don't for, think so. Well, I, mean, I mean, whoever wins the Golden Globe is the front runner, which is happening now, obviously, and and it's probably between him and yeah. You know, maybe they would go with Chadwick, but it's probably Leslie Odom. It doesn't matter. We, let's not do this. Forget about the category fraud stuff. Hmm. I thought it'd be a fun segment. I thought it would be later in our show. This movie's fucking awesome. I mean, it, it did provide it did provide one great thing. I'm going to use this instead of a buzzer for now. Fuck you, John. That's right. <laughs> I like it. That's that's my um, favorite. <laughs> what, what what should we? Yeah. What? what Anytime what's we disagree. What's our end to talk? So now we're now we're talking about Kaluuya a lot. Um, should we talk about Lakeith, obviously, or do you want? I mean, say, do you want to go somewhere else? Well, a couple a couple of things coming in. Um, it's it's yeah. a biopic. But uh, a lot of people might be tempted to give it a miss because it's, you know, it's a biopic. We know the story. No, you don't. Like, there is so much that isn't told, um, like, obviously through the media and stuff like that. And I learned so much during this. I knew nothing about any of this. And I finished, by the time I got to the end of this film, I was fucking furious yeah. at, like, I'm just, my jaws on my chest. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. I had to look this up and research it to see if... Like it was historically accurate, and it is. Like they they went back and conducted investigations based on the evidence, and uh, you know, as they said, they did the the longest one of the longest civil cases ever in history to get a payout for the fact that they basically assassinated him in bed. Yeah, and it's it's like I, it's definitely a movie like that. It will shock you, it will enrage you, and that is a great reason for everyone to watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 Not just that it'll teach you some things you didn't gonna, know. And I, I feel like it's it's a necessary part of history that people I should know, be I don't know how I talk to. about the score, but I think this is an okay time to introduce it because the one thing, the, the, the score is awesome. And, and my end to, to oh, why yeah. I'm talking about this so early in our discussion of the movie is <laughs> the one word that I would have for this score is unapologetic. This is fucking violent. It's rough. It, ha- it does have its funky ass bass lines and jazz lines, but... It is unapologetically black. It's unapologetically uh, visceral. It some there are times where in the middle of a scene you'll have a chorus of singers come in that are as loud as the action on screen, as opposed to other films that you know that have like these polished scores that try to ease in sound so that you have a sonic experience. This film, the score just comes in, and it's raucous. There's a scene where it's just three saxophones just stinging. Like literally, like that's the only word I can say is they just fucking sting you with sound. And it turns out that it's Shaka King's uncle, who's a Harlem jazz musician, and they tried to emulate the the, the score process. Miles Davis, when he improvised a film score in 1958 to Elevators to the Gallows, um, and they basically just hired another film composer to help make sense out of it all. But I mean, to to Dave's point, to segue out of the score and why you get angry watching this movie. Yeah, go ahead. Their names oh, are. I have them. Yeah. Craig, Craig Harris's uncle. I think Craig Harris is his uncle, and Craig, Mark Isham is the. Um, but anyway, yeah, and again, the reason I'm saying mm-hmm. this is because you can't watch yeah. this movie and not have this crazy experience. So even if you're a pro cop or pro Blue Lives Matter, who yes, they get called pigs a lot in this movie, um, 
it's all call and response. The Black Panthers in this, it's done, it's a pretty good job of the violence is always provoked, you know? And so even if you want to get into the nitty gritty of who's right or wrong and all that kind of bullshit, you, you, it is very unapologetic in the fact that these, these people really didn't want this. And yes, they did turn violent. It is true. And the score acknowledges that and the movie acknowledges that. But they didn't want it. They didn't want any of this. They really, 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 really didn't. And I think that's the part of it. I was not told when I was younger. Learn this. Fun, fun fact about the score. Um, the, the score was actually plan B. Um, because they originally planned to get a heap of jazz musicians in a studio and just throw some improvis- improvisation together. And they couldn't because of COVID. So what yeah. they ended up with was actually plan B. That's, I mean, yeah, because of COVID, right? Um, mm. Okay, great. I have a lot to say too, but let, let's pass it off. Where, where, where should we take it from here? Because again, this is just one of those movies that you just, you just have I mean, to watch. You just have to see it. Let's talk about the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. go to it. Go to it again. I was, I was going to um, jump into cinematography because that's yeah, my jam. Yeah, fuck yeah. Go ahead. Do it, man. Um, yeah, I mean, again, that we're busting out the uh, Ari Alexa LF for this thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, beautiful camera. Every everyone is using it except for like maybe two of the films we've covered in the last like month and a half. Um, they but they they went and sat down and designed different color palettes for the Panthers and the FBI as well. Mm. They're subtle, but they're there. Like there's a different color palette when you're with the Panthers to when you're with the FBI. The FBI is a lot colder. Um, do you know the, if they did that the in the DI? A, do you know if they did that in the DI or if they did that in camera? Some of it was a little bit accidental. They they planned like there's a lot of green you'll notice around the the yeah. Panthers, but it that turned out to be like they started to add onto that in camera, and then they, of course they accentuated it with color because I've seen some of the original like the set photography, and they've actually pulled some of the bright green out and made it a little more like pastel or dull. Mm. Um, but it, I mean, part of that was to get the look of the seventies. But they um the locations they were using just happened to all have like green in the in the elements so it nice. turned out to be a thing that they they kind of weren't planning then they were like well we've got this let's use it let's build on it and it, it just really magnifies the look of the film i think i think so too and i think it lined up with the uh whenever you have a film this colorful and i, I of course i mean this with respect it, it give it's it's tipping its hat into the direction of this is a shamelessly stylized telling of this story and the music and the color of the cinematography just complemented mm. it. And um, I mean, I'm saying this is as honestly and respectfully as possible. I feel like this is the kind of aesthetic that as a, you know, straight white guy, like I went into this feeling like this is, Jeff said, is shamelessly black. And I think we're still learning what that means by we, I mean, white, white people. <laughs> and I think this is a really good example of how when something is handled this well, in terms of style, it's going to create a feeling that maybe you've never had before. So I feel like I could have seen a version of this told more traditionally. If I think you know what I mean when I yeah. say that. And I'm so happy I didn't. I'm so happy it had all the interesting bells and whistles that came out of Shaka King's perspective and his team, his department heads around him that created an aesthetic around this story as if the story wasn't enough to make it shamelessly black. He also chose to try to tell it aesthetically in that style and i just appreciated it so much yeah um yeah i I will bring i I, I want to bring into one quick thing the uh the opening shot in the bar once you get through because there's a lot of there's some stock footage that they uh they found um of the like the actual people um and then after that it cuts to outside a bar and you just see this like 
beautiful lit street and then the side silhouette and it's got he's got the hat on you can't see his face and he spins around and they they pull this shot and sean bobbitt who's the the dp of this loves doing this it's it's basically you keep the subject the back of the subject in the center of the frame it almost looks like a video game like it looks like you're playing hitman or something but he's just walking in the center of the frame and even when the action was happening he stayed in the center frame you never saw his face until his hat was knocked off yeah and it's it's that sort of it's it's like let's let's get a biopic and shoot it like the Pelican Brief. The Pelican Brief, nice. Yeah. Wow. So it, it wasn't this 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 is yeah this is not limited by the fact that it's a biopic. They've still engaged everyone at a really high creative level, and I think that's what elevates it and makes it different to those those movies you were talking about it before. Because he didn't pull everyone back and go, it's a biopic. We have got to stick within this formula or whatever for the biopic. It's like go nuts. I'll mm-hmm. tell you when to stop. Yeah, so and gave everyone the creative freedom. He went creative to freedom. NYU, and I think they, you know, they're pretty, pretty famous for training alter style. And you know, when that's done not well, it can be distracting. But when it's done well, it, you know, it's some of the best cinema you've ever seen. It's just, it's got a, everything about it has a personal touch. So it didn't feel like the invi- mm. the director was invisible, and I appreciated that. You know, when you pull it off, I think it really works. I think this is a good. Example. Also, I, I love that the first the very first scene is a massive misdirect mm-hmm. and puts you on the back foot. Yeah, so you're like you kind of him, what's going on? See, yeah, you do see Lakeith's face from the side at one point when he turns to put the cigarette out, and you're like, "What is that him?" And it just the way it introduces it, it's just so interesting because you're not quite sure it's him. You think he really is the well, FBI. I, it's, it's good. No, I I didn't even know because I I hadn't seen anything about this movie. I went in completely cold. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Well, let's talk about just the what? Yeah. John, you can't keep stopping. You gotta, you gotta plow through. I was gonna go. I was gonna <laughs> talk. About, I was gonna talk about Lakeith, but um, we can always come back to it. If I mean, you're, talk if about you're it, itching. dude. I have a big picture comment. Let's let's keep talking technical stuff. Before. All right. All right. What I was gonna say about Lakeith to exactly what you guys were saying is, I I actually had to get through. I think maybe it wasn't until the second or third time that they plugged in his interview from apparently the future that I even had any idea what he was talking about. I mean, the first one, he didn't say who he was talking to. Like so this is Lakeith. He's being interviewed. And then the second one, he said he had a mentor and his mentor was the FBI agent. So you're watching this character who is arrested for stealing a car. And rather than go to jail, the FBI offers him freedom and money to go infiltrate the black Panthers and basically be a rat. And so it's either money and in Black Panther or jail. And so Lakeith does money in Black Panther. And then there are these interviews cut in where he's talking about his mentor. And, and I I didn't know if he was, I didn't know where he was, even though I knew the story. I knew he was a rat. For some reason, I didn't know where his head was at. And and the one example I give is DiCaprio and the Departed. You always know he's a rat. Even when he's talking to Jack Nicholson, you feel like he's a rat. Lakeith, I, I didn't know. I had no idea. And he he might get lost in the award season conversation, which is fine. But like the experience you have and then because you, you're with him and you don't know what he's thinking. You don't know what he's feeling. He's not over intelligizing his character that some actors do where they try to make them too smart and they try to make him too clever. He has these complex looks on his face the whole time. And and they're very careful. I'm not saying that they're, un- they're not they're not crafted well, but then it cuts to Kaluuya and then it cuts to this and and halfway through the movie i have no idea if he's a panther or an fbi agent even though i know he's both and i know he's the, the downfall of the movie so that is acting that stays with you it's not acting that wins awards but that's the kind of acting that 10 years down the mm. road i'm gonna be thinking about some of his faces that he made i mean he also basically 
uh, in like the interview that you saw him give right at the end, I think it was, um, like he was never willing to admit to himself what he was doing. Oh yeah. The, oh my God. The interview. I mean, the I end. think the, yeah. I think, yeah, I think to Lakeith, I think he's doing his job. I feel like with a straight character like that, that means they're doing their job well, yeah. just like Leo did mm. in, Decap- in um, Departed. And I think they knew this as filmmakers that he was a smart enough actor to realize that they were smart enough filmmakers to comment on that. It's literally in the script when Jesse Plemons says, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you were enjoying that. When he goes to church and watches him doing the calls. So I think they were trying to make you feel that this man is still a little misunderstood. And I don't want to spoil this, but there is some postscript at the end of this movie you're going to read a few pieces of information about Lakeith's character, and it it really blows it wide open. You think you understand what this tale is, and then you read what actually happened to this man in real life, and you're like, oh, my God. So the, the mystery gets dissolved a little bit in a good way by what he actually decides to do with his you know, with his life and after he was interviewed at some point like 15 years after this event. God. Uh, yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. I, don't, I want to talk just really quickly about the essence that's in the title, Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't know why I didn't really, I chose not to read into that too literally before, you know, when I knew this movie was coming out and I was anticipating it. It wasn't that I was expecting it to be totally figurative or more abstract, but it's very literal. And I think the commentary that this movie brings on the fact that We've heard a lot of stories before, not enough, but we have heard stories before, and we've certainly heard it in politics and news, that every amazing Black leader, especially from that time period, was murdered. Fucking murdered. There's just no other way to hmm. say it. They were assassinated. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Fred Hampton. We saw. We watched The Trial of Chicago 7 not too long ago. We saw what happened to him in the courtroom, and they refer to that in this movie as well. Yep. I can't remember his name, and I feel like an asshole. But Bobby Seale. Anyway. Bobby Seale. Bobby Seale. Thank you so much. Mm. Uh, And I think that there is a, this movie does a really good job through my favorite way, through intense specificity and a very intimate storytelling that does delve into whether or not it's category fraud, two very intimate perspectives Mm -hmm. on this movement in this time period in American history. And through doing that, it illuminates this overwhelming truth that whether you agree politically or not with what they stood for, Nobody, unless they're a fucking terrible human, should ever think that it was justified with what J. Edgar Hoover's stance was on these people. They need to be investigated so that they have mm. zero privacy. At the very least, they need to be terrified all the time. And it, at the most, that last uh, scene that Martin Sheen basically has where he says jail is not good enough. I mean, a lot of that stuff is is maybe implied, but there are enough records from J. Edgar Hoover where he made that fucking clear. That was not good enough for him. He wanted them fucking killed. So, I mean... Yeah, the that that speech uh, where they're all sitting there and he, he gives them the our entire way of life is under threat speech. Yeah. Every, every time I hear that argument, it just sickens me to my, my core. It's like, and the scene is that awkward and terrible. And I, I, was, I was trying to figure out how to broach it, but I, at being like those actors and doing this content how bad must you feel when the camera stops rolling like, like Martin sitting Sheen there and, and, Jesse and, yeah, and sitting there and spouting this hatred and even the scenes where like you know there's one scene where he puts a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach and it, it's like how 
you you must they call cut and you just apologize to everyone. They it must have been horrible for these guys to play story. those roles. It really I heard a great a story by uh, Ava DuVernay was talking about when she mm. was doing Selma and she was directing. You're not supposed to do this as the director, but she wanted to speak to her extras when they were doing the Selma march. So she went over mm. there and she was talking to them and she was giving them phrases to say. And she was saying, I want you to say inward this. And no, you're not inward that. And one of the, a young white girl raised her hand and she was like, we're just going to say inward, right? You don't want us to actually say that word, do you? Like they were, they were so, oh you know, God. upset about like oh, having to actually yeah. go there. But, you know, from the artistry, if Jesse Plemons and Martin Sheen had not so shamelessly fucking did their good work, we would not mm. hate their characters so much and we wouldn't have learned anything. Right. If I would have felt them reserved at all, then we would have been disgusted. Those performances were also phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Because you I hated loved, them. Jesse Plemons is, I know mm. this movie is, you know, is not about Jesse Plemons, but he continues to amaze me. His subtlety <laughs> and delicacy with his work is just getting more and more and more complex. And he is becoming even more humble in front of the camera. Like he's choosing to take on roles that are never really going to be about him. And yet he is so integral to the stories he chooses to be a part of. Yeah. And I just, I just felt like he did such a good job of showing what we're talking about, which is, you know, fuck you, that character. And then he has enough conflict where, you know, maybe as white audience members or people who also feel that like, surely it's not this black and white you will see that even with somebody who has that conflict, he still does the wrong thing. Yeah. That's the mm. fucking moral of the story for me is that he, they were trying to give me a little bit of an, you know, just a little room there to empathize with this guy who was struggling with it. And he still is fucking cheersing scotch and they fucking murder him and he gets his promotion. So fuck him. Right. That's kind of what yeah. I walked away with. I can't believe they, they, yeah. they murdered him so shamelessly. Like the other, I mean, like, yeah, the, the FBI had something to do with Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X, but this one is so unapologetic. They, they so unapologetically murdered Martin Luther. I'm sorry. Um, Fred Hampton. He was 21 years old. Um, he it's, and, and what, what's, what's another thing that's and really what a, good. What a speaker for 21 as well. Oh my God. And yeah. What, what, another thing they do really well is the, the rest of the Panthers. Um, I, when I, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X, they talked about that this summer. And the one thing that caught me is that I always learned that he was a very violent person, Malcolm. And there is periods of violence, which, you know, I, I imagine anybody under these circumstances would probably choose to it to, you know, get fucking get violent. Like, I don't know how else to 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 say it. And in this, it, it reminded me of that because the, the rest of the Panthers, the, those that we don't we don't even remember their names because there's so many people that got close to the chairman and and. And they all struggled with their anger and their violence because why wouldn't they? they I mean, they had no, there was nothing. I, I don't know if, if you haven't seen this movie and, and th there was no chance at the American dream. It was, it was not only shut out, they had a foot on their fucking neck like the yeah. whole time. And, and the way that they, they struggled with anger, the anger was, it, right, yes, the, the violence wasn't necessarily justified, but at the same time, it was a release I don't, I don't know if you can say that. I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can say it's unjustified. Exactly, yeah, the, exactly. The, the, king, yeah. the king, the king, the king quote. I think we've got to see the riot is the language of the unheard. To have an, a movie like this is going to prove that, to that, you. That's again, what I mean. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean unjustified. Yeah, and yeah. No, no hmm. violence is bad. I'm just saying I don't condone the violence. It, it, it is what it is. That's what I mean. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. 
I think yeah, that I, I mean, think my, I love my, asking myself this question: that is that mm-hmm. a uh, is that a privilege of mine that I still, even after a movie like this, get to say, as our current president, who I voted for, said, "I don't condone it." Well, I don't know if I even have a right to condone it or not condone it. It's not my situation. I'm not in their shoes. And if 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 movies like this keep showing me over and over and over again that I have no fucking idea what it feels like to be them then I think the only thing I can do is learn as much as I can and get the fuck out of the way and yeah. just try to be as supportive as possible. And I don't know, I thought this did such a good job of that. I was so humbled by this film. Yeah. My, my favorite uh, line in it that uh, res- really resonated was the, uh, the life, liberty, and justice. It's right there in the Constitution. But when poor people ask for it, they call it socialism. I'm like, oh, this, yeah, again, yeah. they filmed this before relevant. COVID. So this is before the election. Yeah. This is before the primaries. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, all right. Now, I will say, uh, yeah, sorry. I, oh, really fast. I do want to just to foil what I just said. I also fucking love, and again, this takes place over like a fucking year and a half of this man's life. So he was like mm. 20-ish to 21-ish, right? Like yeah. around that period of time. It's ridiculous. And a lot of his scripts are scripted. They're, they're just lifted right out. So this guy actually did this at fucking 20 and 21 years old. However, what also is true uh, supposedly, I did a little reading. I think they implied some of this stuff, but supposedly there was some truth to it that he did start to get a little wise and realize politics are inevitably going to be involved with this movement. Maybe I shouldn't just get in front of a crowd and tell them that they need to get angry. We, we, you know, there has to be something to do politically yeah. after that. We can't just be protesting violence or nonviolence. And I love that they threw that in there because I thought I knew exactly what Fred Hampton was feeling. And then they turned the screw just a little bit to make me realize, oh, fuck, he was about to evolve into a political juggernaut. And then they killed him. Yeah, That's see, what's that's, most upsetting. He's not fucking, you know, the same thing happened to Malcolm X, that's, too. Uh, that's what I was like, going to say, yeah. They didn't kill Malcolm X because he was violent. They killed him because he was getting nonviolent. And so if they let it go on too far, then exactly. then it was a movement. And then it was something that they couldn't they, handle. But the they did briefly but they could kill him and the, say, well, um, he was violent. He did this to himself. That's They yeah. did briefly yeah. underplay his role in the like the the food banks and the feeding the kids and stuff like that. Mm. Like they mentioned it, but like the, apparently that was the basis for entire welfare programs that still exist. It when came he came from back, that, dude, that movement. when he came back oh from God. prison. Yeah, and they had rebuilt, you know, the the headquarters, and he was like, yeah. "Y'all feeding, y'all feeding kids," and here was the first words out of his mouth. It was the first thing that he really cared about. It was the first word that he would he would always pitch whenever he was going to get support from other, you know, other black societies and other black mm. uh, gangs and and uh, organizations. What was the Pines, name of that gang? Yeah. I had never heard about that. The, the crowns. I didn't know the crowns. The crowns I knew yeah. I had heard that they protected King when he was in Illinois. I knew about that, but I did not know that they were. Involved with Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers on such that, a the meeting with them is so yeah. awesome. It was tense. It was fucking uh, perfect. Yeah. Um, anything else to say about the film anyway. before we head out? Because now we're just talking about I've, this stuff. I've, you know uh, what I mean? And, and it was yeah. I mean, so I think well, the only the only not. thing left the only thing left to say is uh, my button doesn't work, but I got you. <laughs> nice. We, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got you. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers, guys. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. There to it is. Yeah. yeah I. Honestly, I, I got lost just listening to you guys talk about this. This movie's great. So please go watch this. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. Um, it's just it's just so important. It's so, 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 so great. If you like this, I recommend um, Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song. If you want to go all the way back to the lineage, which was endorsed. It was endorsed by the Black Panthers. Melvin Van, Pe- Melvin Van Peoples was a huge inspiration for Spike Lee. And the score... For that movie was done by Earth, Wind, and Fire, 1971. And it came out before... 
um, Shaft. Those are considered the two quote unquote black exploitation films. It's the first time that black people said, fuck it, we're making our own movies. <laughs> like, sorry. So hmm. that, that's where if, if you're just curious and you want to see more like this, because I saw a lot of inspiration from those two movies in this. But um, before we send it off to break, any, any final words? No, so good. No, Go see it, man. We, we, yeah, this might be our longest, uh, longest first segment awesome. ever. Awesome. Well, but well, des- well, well deserved. deserved. We'll see what happens tonight yeah. and in the future. But go see this movie, HBO Max. And after we take a quick break, we're going to be back to talk about the remake of Disney's Mulan. See you soon, film fans. And we are back. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, guess what? What? Guess what? While we were talking, Daniel Kaluuya just won a Golden Globe. (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, Hell yes. I knew it. Cheers, dude. Cheers. We're 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 going to have Yeah. Good for him. Fuck yeah. That was for supporting actor, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. (laughs) Dave. Dave. (laughs) (laughs) And then I. Say mine too. Just go ahead and hit <laughs> mine too. Just better. so we can kick off this section <laughs> with the other one. John. Oh, you went minor. Right. Sorry, yeah, I went yeah, up yeah. to the tonic. Sorry, no, that's good. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's a cool. diminished seven musician. All right, so here we are. We are now in our uh, presumed Razzie segment, uh, Mulan. Which, Dave, do you remember seeing on the the long list? Am I calling you out? Did Mulan make the long list? Is it still in consideration? Do we remember? Yeah, it's, it's still in consideration, I think. Yeah, right. I think it is so for it's very picture. possible for best. Yeah, probably yeah. probably not anything else, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, people. So this is Mulan. Is the remake of the 1998 animated film. Um, here's why we're talking about it. I think I set it up pretty well in the original, if I do say so myself. However, it does have a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, but compared to a 49% Oscar, sorry, a 49% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is probably more telling for Razzies. <laughs> it has a 5.6 on IMDb. That's, I, I think some of that is people pissed off they paid 20 bucks for it. I mean, and, and they weren't yeah. the first. I think Onward was actually the first. But to charge people 20 or 30 or whatever dollars on top of their subscription fees, it's like, fuck you, Disney. This is over mm. $100 a year that we're already paying you. $30 for two different movies this past summer when it's... While you're laying off 30,000 workers, it just seemed a little crazy. But, you know, pandemics are pandemics are pandemics. Anyway, um, Mulan, it is an occasional update, occasional shot-for-shot remake of the original movie. Uh, It is directed by Nikki Caro, uh, and it stars an almost entirely Chinese cast featuring, of course, Jet Li as the Emperor. John forgot about that, which is probably a fun surprise for him. And then uh, Yifei Liu as Mulan. The biggest knock on the original is definitely the whitewashing. So you have a lot of white voice actors. Um, <laughs> Aladdin had a lot of white voice actors too, but you know, it's Disney in the nineties. Uh, and although, did you see the did you see the Ming Na Wen um, cameo? No, right, Who? right near the what? end. Uh, she was the original Mulan in the movie. Oh, uh, cool. In the animated yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. Nice. Yeah, the, actually, Mulan. Cameo. Mulan is okay, and then uh, you had the Filipino singer. Um. Leia Salonga sang sang for Mulan. Um, actually, the worst whitewash was you have Broadway musical veteran B.D. Wong voiced Shang. 
And even though he had been in Broadway musicals singing live for people, they replaced his singing voice with Donny Osmond, who I think we can officially say is the whitest person alive who is not named <laughs> Chad. Right? So... <laughs> And so this is in That's spite fair. of having definitely not pop stars Roger Bart and Tom Hulse sing their leading characters in Hercules and Hunchback of Notre Dame the two years leading up to this film. So Tom Hulse sang Quasimodo and he sang one of the best songs written for Disney and he did it so poorly that a lot of people don't know. And yet B.D. Wong can't I mean, sing they, his own they song. They made the rock sing. The exactly. Anyway, long story short, let's, let's get out. Okay, so this movie, the IMDb description is a young Chinese maiden disguises herself as a male warder, warder in order to save her father. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say right away, that description is horseshit, Disney. Should, yeah. <laughs> I've got a better one if you want. I've got a better, a better description that sums up this okay. movie. Ambitious girl with serious impulse control problems joins the army to fight the Chinese goths, which culminates in the most aggressive level of Donkey Kong I've ever seen. More appropriate. Yeah. Better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'll tell you. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm going to stop the, the intro. Chinese goth. Mongolian goth. I'm going to yeah. stop my intro to say that I'm entirely biased because I have seen the original films at least 20 times in its entirety, including twice in the past two years. Um, so what my description, Dave, would be is this is Arya Stark of China. <laughs> the update is that there's a new villain, Bori Khan Jr. <laughs> they continue to raid village after village after methodically, methodically, yada, 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 a little bit more th- methodically than the animated version. And Hua Mulan is already a fierce warrior at the age of five, unlike the Mulan from the animated series. So uh, it makes the training montage a little quicker. Because she doesn't really need to train as much. <laughs> In fact, she needs to hide her skills mm-hmm. from the training so that she doesn't stick out, which I think is a whole different angle. And I think pretty good choice from Disney, all things considered. Yeah. Um, and she is essential at, to save China and Emperor Jet Li from the Ruron warriors. There's also an evil witch who is also a bird. It looks awesome, thanks to money and technology. And... Um, <laughs> and kids may like it. right over that one. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Who wants to go first? You move on. First thoughts. I'm assuming oh this is the first time you've seen this. <laughs> For sure, dude. This was the first time I've seen this. Um, Jeff, I gotta call you out for just a second. You might be the only friend of ours from the 90s generation who Mulan is their favorite of the 90s Disney movies. Are you guys kidding me? No, no, no. The Lion Lion King is my favorite of the 90s Disney movies, but Mulan is my second favorite. And I know Beauty and the Beast is great, and I know all these other movies are great. I'm telling you right now, Mulan is paced perfectly. And if you think I'm wrong, go watch it again. Can I, wait, can I say one more thing leading into this? Okay. Try to get Chloe, I try to get Chloe to watch this for me. Not for me, with me. <laughs> I tried to get Chloe to watch it last <laughs> night. And she was worried because she knew it was the redemption movie. And she was like, you're not going to be mean to it, right? And I was like, no, of course we're not going to be mean to it. And she was like, all right, well, isn't it, it? The trailer looks exactly like the original. And I said, yeah, except it's longer and there's no Mushu and there's no songs. And she said, that sounds bad. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, now who's being mean yeah. to the movie? <laughs> um, and then she wrote. Uh, yeah. Poopy poop in my butt on my notes because she found my notes app and she started writing in my notes. But anyway, also, there is a lot of death in this movie. Yeah, so, so much for violent right video games. Am I right, open. Disney? There's a lot of <laughs> death. A lot of death question. in this movie. Yeah. Did you guys think for one second that she was a man? Like one single millisecond. Did you know that they, everyone they, around her 
thought that she was a guy. John, and did you think John, how relieved John, John, how relieved was that movie. character? How how relieved was that character when he realized he wasn't gay? When he was like, oh thank God she's <laughs> she, is, she is a woman. He's no, like, oh, because I was you, about to. You, <laughs> you make a good point, but th- this is this is a good. It's a kids movie. So, uh, having said that, I think it's they cast a very. No, it's not a kids movie. It's they, a family movie. Because of all, this is not aimed at children, right. dude. This is not aimed at children. This is aimed That's at true. everybody. It's aimed at families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Not children, but but children included. In what do you think about? But there is so much death. There is so much killing in this movie, which is great. For there's Disney so movie. much death and killing. I'm not sure if. So they, I, I know what you mean when you said it's kind of cool that they give her the angle of hiding her powers in this movie. They refer to it as the chi, her chi. She's like overflowing with this fucking yeah. chi. It's fucking everywhere, and they choose to hide it. I don't mind. Like if we were sitting around the the, the fucking everywhere. (laughs) If we were sitting around the table and we were planning this, you have some chi. You have some chi. Yeah, and you have have some chi. Don't you? They're like it's illegal. They're literally like it's it's illegal to use your chi. And I was like, Jesus, what the fuck? Okay, I just don't know if they. All right, I was not expecting her to have like superpowers, specifically like the aerial martial arts effect that gets used a lot in martial arts movies, especially when they're made and set in those parts of Asia. And we've seen it pulled off gloriously in other movies. I don't know if I was expecting that. So it took me a second to be like, is that really what's going to happen? Is is everybody going to be flying around like this little girl in the intro? Or is that just Milan? And then they kind of, they kind of started going back and forth with that depending on who was fighting i didn't quite understand i don't know if they set up that rule correctly enough and uh Mm -hmm. ultimately i do feel like it was distracting for me because i aside from the the colors are overwhelming like it's very beautiful to watch but i don't know if they achieved the the mysticism of aerial martial arts that other really good martial arts movies that use that technique achieve like there, it's been used so effectively so many times, and I don't know if they got there with this. So every time she did shit like that, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" I thought I was supposed to be watching a live action kind of used telling it. of this story. <laughs> they used it when it was convenient, but it's a kids' movie, so it's cool to just be like, "Yeah, here's a flourish." Yeah, and it felt like that. It felt like, "Yeah, let's just do it anyway, even though it's not seamless, and hopefully people won't care." I didn't really care that much, but it did take away some of it for me. This movie was okay, though. I did not hate it as much as everybody else did. Apparently, everybody fucking hated this. I didn't think it was that bad. You had me fooled there for a second, John. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. I mean, it just... I didn't say like, it was good. It, it has so much... Like, there's so much going for it. Like, the the, uh, the pull-out in the Imperial Palace, um, the, like, all those shots at the beginning, there's some epic cinematography in this. Yeah, they actually um, filmed mostly in New Zealand, by the way. I gave the Wuhan shit. Most of the movie was filmed in New Zealand, so obviously amazing... Lit. I thought they only used the sets in New Zealand because they they only filmed on the studios in New Zealand, so it was the internal sets. So all of those exteriors were in Wuhan, not Wuhan. Sorry, we're in Xijiang. Can you buzz me for Wuhan? That's really yeah, rude. I'm gonna, so sorry. Yeah, Wuhan. I was gonna call you out. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> the only place in China. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it came up because the girl who played Mulan is from Wuhan, and I was thinking about that. I, I promise. Okay, sorry. She looks. Never That's mind. Unfortunate. <laughs> I, I did actually, yeah, I agree. I like the like the techniques that they used for the samurai films, like well, particularly for the flying wire work stuff. Um, I like that, but again, yeah, it was like, okay, it's there, it's gone, it's there, it's gone. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was kind of a thing. Um, I know we spoke earlier about the controversy. Uh, there was other controversy as well where it was deemed offensive to Chinese culture. 
I mean, I'm not well versed enough to know exactly which parts of this were offensive, but I I do have a quote here. They removed a kiss. They removed a kiss. Where uh, uh, subchina.com referenced this. It used used our culture as the medium to convey their values. If you change every chi to force and Mulan to the chosen one, you get a perfect remake of Star Wars The Force Awakens. (laughs) You know what? Point China. Point for China on that one. (laughs) That's yeah, yeah. It's a stretch, but you can get there pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But we hate I Hollywood too. I, by the way, I mean, people, people, I'm we, on, we're I not, was... we're not, we're not like in favor of those kinds of movies here. It's not just our values; it's it's movie values, if that makes sense. Sorry, John. What were you saying? I was I was just going to point out that in on principle, I am I'm very against Disney being fucking lazy and just remaking all of their successful '90s animation. Yeah. That being said, I thought the point of remaking them was to try to correct some of the prejudice and racism that is overflowing in those animated feature films. And I thought that this was going to be a good opportunity for them to try to correct some things that are very, very cliche, stereotypes. Like, I, it's uncomfortable watching the movie. I don't care how well-paced I mean, it they, is, Jeff. I'm uncomfortable they, watching that animated feature, dude. They took, out the, pig, they took out the pig named movie. Mushu. What more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think they achieved what I thought they were trying to achieve. I'm not sure why they made this movie. That being said, mm. I remember seeing this trailer in the theaters like last over a year ago when I was still going to movies. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. It's They're not going to do any of the songs. It's just going to be like a grounded like telling of this story. Like maybe they'll do it like a real folktale. Nah. <laughs> no, well, well, here's, here's the thing here's the thing about disney because i've seen all these remakes so you have first things first the beauty and the beast remake the lion king remake and i think also the aladdin we've all made a billion dollars so anybody would tell hmm. you all right well keep making remakes like I, I know that it's it now now the 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 contrast to that is that disney's one of the few brands that will take less money to salvage their brand name Namely, they'll close Broadway shows that are profitable like Frozen. Yes, there's a pandemic, but it wasn't doing anything for their name because it was a worse version of the movie. So they just closed the show, even making money. Nobody else would do that. Nobody else would do that. Everybody else would take all the scraps and all the pennies. So this is like one of those moments where when you use like, this movie seems studioized. This is the perfect example because the original, I, yes, I think it was paced perfectly. And they know that too, because they spent the first half hour of this movie trying to rush the old movie. They, they were so against cutting out things from the movie. The matchmaker sequence, waste of time in this movie. Waste of time. The, um, the, sorry, okay. There were a lot of those, but, yeah. Yeah. but if they want to make a billion dollars, <sighs> that's what people are expecting. So you got to give the people what you want. So rather than just make it Mulan versus the witch, have this epic female battle, what you have is them trying so hard to get rid of that original formula and just take the character Mulan and modernize it. And the whole time, every time they make a change, they're saying, does that cost us money? At least that's what it feels like. I'm not suggesting that's what it was, but but you have to you have to leave it alone. Kill the dog of mice and men. And you got to make the new Mulan and they, they just couldn't let go. So this is the quintessential Hollywoodized movie, in my opinion. Yeah, dude. I don't know if you guys have the Facebook chat up, but Teresa's on and she is sassing John. For what? 
Well, I don't care. Sorry, <laughs> Therese. I think if Walt Disney was alive, he would be ashamed of them for trying to remake or like have original ideas. You have money. You have all the means in the world to make a billion dollars doing something original. Why are you remaking movies you've already made? Anyway. Yeah, this this strikes me as a Disney apology tour. Yeah, I just, and they're not even doing it well. It's it's ridiculous. Anyway, I, I will say one thing I did appreciate, which I don't I don't know if I'm the person to appreciate this. I think it was clearly aimed at young women. The the turn they tried to make with the witch being like, I wanted to be powerful and I have all this power and men have always tried to take it away from me. And she tried to basically, she ended up basically becoming a martyr so that this young woman, Mulan, can achieve status as a legitimate female leader. I did think that was kind of cool. Maybe it was a little bit on the nose. I just, it did feel like, I felt like I was watching two different films. I felt like I was watching them trying to rescue themselves with that part of the storyline. And the other main parts of the storyline that are familiar from the animated feature were, were not trying to correct some, you know, some mistakes, if you see them as mistakes from the animated feature. So I was just a little confused. I felt like I was watching two different perspectives on what should be achieved with this new live action version. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, let's... Let, let's try to. Uh, is, we are a positive film podcast. So, w- what are the redeemable things about this movie besides the way it looks? Um, I, I mean, to be honest, I enjoyed everything up until the avalanche scene. Interesting. They kind of had wait, me wait. until the avalanche scene. They, they took a lot of liberties in two minutes there. Like it's, avalanches and horses don't work that way. I think this is exactly what I meant in my thing because the avalanche sequence is is exactly what happened in the original. Not, not, not the way they filmed it, but they like they couldn't get rid of the avalanche yeah. sequence. So rather than do something else, they tried to reinvent the same story, and and it's just moot. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, how do you get avalanches? Are cool? Yeah. It's fun, and it's the only way that a single person can win a, in a second. No single person can win a battle, right? Um, but yes, but I'm with you. Although, except for the part where you just had the first half hour was was brilliant hmm. because I, I actually felt like this movie was too long and rushed at the same time. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say it was brilliant. I said I enjoyed oh, okay. it. I wasn't. I was sitting there like, "Is this? Is this a good movie?" It's a plot beginning. Yeah. Um. It takes How liberties in the middle. And but is does it deserve to be voted worst of like twenty twenty? No. No, it doesn't. Correct. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I do think there's a lot of stuff that got attached to it, like what Jeff was saying at the beginning, the way it was released, and all the the gossip about how it somehow. Some of the production took place in, under really sketchy circumstances. However, I grew up in a time where I walked into a theater when a Disney movie came on the screen, and pretty much every single time I walked out, I was like, that was another really good movie. I can't remember the yeah. last time I said that about Disney. And I'm, I'm sorry, I watched Princess cool. and the Frog after this, like a night yeah. after this, just to because I had not seen that one, and I kind of I wanted to watch something contemporary. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good movie. So... Uh, Stop making live action movies, Disney. I'm sorry. I just can't. What the fuck are you doing? Well, they know. Well, Dave, talk about Disney. Dave, I think you listened. You, you listened into it's the a Disney valid question, investors meetings or whatever that, that they released publicly. Really all in in Marvel. And now you have Mandalorian with Star Wars and all the Star Wars uh-huh. spinoffs. So how, did they mention this at all? Is, it, is, is the vault part of their thing? No. I, I mean, I... There was a section of it I missed, um, so I'm not sure what live action properties they've got coming next. But I know, like, they're basically gearing up the streaming side because nothing's making money in the, at the moment, like, because everything's shut down. Um, so yeah, as far as this, this might 
given the reception this got and the fact that it had a $200 million budget and it made less than 100 back, um, I I would say right. this might be the death now, knell for course, the live action remakes. Of streaming platform gained like 30% or 40% of users during the <clears throat> pandemic. So how do you value that considering they also have Star Wars and Marvel and Mandalorian and WandaVision and et cetera. So how do you give, how do you give this right. credit for that? But hmm. Mulan probably did not bring no, but, those users to the platform. But you <laughs> probably all, all agree with that. You can see them begging for international appeal. I mean, one thing, uh, yeah, one change they made from the original that. is that there are multiple kids. Yes, totally. Whereas the original made it very clear that there is a one child, one family rule in China. So basically, that was the whole problem with Mulan is that they had a daughter and that fucked them when it came to like, you need one man to represent you. So it, it was a conflict for China. So in that sense, I actually think this movie is trying to appeal to Chinese values more so than the original did for sure, which even though the original was whitewashed, you know what I mean? So like this one, now all of a sudden there's like sisters and sons and stuff. Yeah, I will say, I will say their casting, yeah. their casting has definitely improved. Um from uh, what just before Moana onwards they like they were literally casting appropriately I would say no more like they stopped the whitewashing I don't know what happened there but they, they suddenly it's, other actors it's very and important in the world you don't need Donny Osmond like to sing in the China movie and yeah and they're good <laughs> um, yeah it's too bad because that song's really good too but it, the more Christ. you think about it the more you're like huh <laughs> what did you guys think about uh, I mean Christine, guys how many Christina? how many times how many times did we go to karaoke and I'll make a man out of you was on? I mean, it's a good song. And then, right. you know what? All the fucking time, dude. Yeah. They probably hired him. Did after you guys like Christina Aguilera's, Christina Aguilera's like <laughs> new and improved yeah, no, version it's... of Reflection in the credits? Nobody. I don't know anybody that gives a shit about her one. Ever the movie one anyway. So, no. I did. I did like they sang it in Chinese after she was done. They should have sang it before she was done. Yeah. It, which was sung by the actor who played Mulan. Really? Which I thought was cool. She sings? That's great. Yeah, she. I, I'm pretty sure Faisal. Faisal is that her name? Or like, I'm not sure how you pronounce her her name, but she sung it, and I thought that was cool. Uh, I also enjoyed. To, also, to also ages. Faisal's thirty, and they cast her down. This is so great. I'm so tired of people casting young people who look the part and can't act it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aladdin, Aladdin and Princess Jasmine were fine, but mm. she's fucking good. She's she was thirty and she played younger, and it was believable. And you move on with your life. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not blaming. Actors. I'm not blaming any of the actors for any of the problems no, I had. No, what a cast! What a cast! Uh, Brandon, Lee, Jason Lee, Brandon Lee. Who who is the the? It's the J- it's Jason something Lee. It's not the Jason Lee you know. Not the Jason Lee. But yes. Yeah, Jason Scott really good. Lee. Yeah, Jason Scott. Thank Lee, you. Sorry. Um, loved. Uh, who played the emperor? <laughs> Jetly, Jetly. Uh, fucking Jetly Jet was back in the game. I was yeah. like, "Hello, that was fun." So yeah, everybody He's unrecognizable. Mulan's father. Mulan's father was really good. Yeah, I don't know. He's, I just he's, felt like I was watching like a. Hmm. Whatever. Anyway, this was the commander was, okay. was good too. <laughs> John, Johnny pulled the handbrake. Okay, well, what do you think about this? So, if you had families, John, you're an uncle. Dave, you probably should be. Is there? Oh, oh, wait. Oh, my gosh. John, I'm, I'm an uncle now. The... Yay, Dave. Nice, nice, nice. Congratulations. Yeah, I, I, I married into I married into Uncledom. You married into Uncledom, right. Sorry. Thank you, Therese. Thank <laughs> you. Sorry about that. Um, and of course, we, we didn't mention we didn't mention Donnie Yen, who um, oh, yeah, is, is, is it Ip Man or IP Man? John, you saw that. I, you made me watch that movie and it was so good. Um, oh, also. Man, and he's also in Rogue One. I just have to bring up before we close on this. Um, 
did anyone notice like right at the very beginning where she jumps down off the roof and literally drops the Chang Sing gang sign from Big Trouble in Little China in the first two minutes of this film? <laughs> no, I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I missed that one. Like, Dave, yes. I missed that one. So sorry. I'm sure it wasn't nice. intentional, but fuck, it looked like it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Okay, well, families, do, I mean, so this film's long, but then again, there's so much violence on the second half of this movie that I feel like the parents would like from like 45 minutes into the end. <laughs> Except for the one scene that's like, Mulan, if we ever see you again, we're going to kill you. And then you see her again right away. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, not the best editing. But, like, but besides that, <laughs> would, families like, would families like this movie? Would kids like this movie? Who do you think who do you think's more likely to like this movie? We're a positive film podcast. Who's more likely to like this movie, the parents or the kids? Well, this is the kind of question I guess I would want to ask. Like, I don't, we don't have kids. None of us have kids. So I would want to ask some parents out there, like, what do you do when these live action releases happen? Are you showing them the animated feature first or, or is this going to be this generation's version of Mulan? Because if that's the case, then I think, yeah, sure. I think they'll love it. You know, it's, it's, it's the production value is huge. The, the story comes across fine. The themes are loud and fucking clear. And I think the mm. kids are going to react to them pretty well. But I, again, I'm not quite sure like how they're going to weave both of those things. So if you were just asking me if I had kids, would I take them to go see this? I probably would. But I think I would also want to show them the animated feature more than I would want to yeah, take them I, to see this. I think what's going to happen is everyone who saw the animated feature, they've got Disney Plus, so they have the choice of the two. And I think I know which one's going to be fucking shown to their kids. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the support. Can, okay, which one? Because, and I, again, I've seen this first one a lot. Which supporting actor is Ling? Which supporting actor is Yao? Which supporting actor is Poe? Those are the big four. Her, them, and Mulan. They're all friends with each other. Could you possibly guess which one was which based on seeing this movie? Um, no. Like, I feel like one of them sticks out, but, like, the supporting characters, they tried to, like, rush in shitty dialogue, and it's like, you need to yeah. give them the something. Yeah. I did appreciate, and I, I have no idea if this is accurate or not. This is just a storytelling thing. This is not me commenting on Chinese culture at all. I did appreciate that they did... I do think right. they achieved her not falling into the Disney trope of the love story dominating her coming of age, the way she eventually did um, respond yeah. to that guy's advances at the very end. I want to see you again, you know, basically saying we're, I'm going to see you again one day. And she just looks at him. They make some intimate eye contact and she touches his hand and like, a, maybe I'll see you again soon. There's something here, but she didn't kiss him. She didn't say, I can't wait to see She didn't fall into his arms. So I do think they, they held on to what they were trying to achieve with her being truly independent. And that was my biggest takeaway, which is if I was a young girl, if I had daughters, I probably would be proud of, you know, I would be happy for them to see a good example of that. Yeah. I just don't know if the rest of the movie was worth it. I can probably think of five other movies that achieved that more efficiently with better storytelling. Probably more than but five. That's just me. Um, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, have you got the uh, Facebook chat up? No, I'm on Twitch. Oh, yeah. Okay. So David Knight's dropped in, and hey. apparently you'll always be your mom's baby. Always be my mom's baby. Hmm. I, 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 I feel I, I, I mean, it popped up my a while, about, while back. Uncle I had Dave. to wait for us to. Uh... Sorry, Dave. Dave, we missed it. Dave, yeah. I went skiing this week. Um, we have to talk about that later. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's wind down this episode, and then we'll stay yes. live on Facebook and Twitch to anybody who's still watching us live. Cool. If we miss yeah, any we Golden check Globes, out the Globes. Stuff, so, yeah, we got to check out the Globes. People, hmm. thank you so much for joining us next week. 
We're switching up Next our week's list. The big so one. Next week Next we're week's definitely the big doing one. Nomadland, which seems to be the front runner for picture and director. Not that it matters. Not that that's what this is about. But Nomadland, which just dropped on Hulu this past week, we're going to be talking about that. And our redemption movie is The Witches. The Witches, featuring yes. some A-list celebrities in there. Okay, people. So HBO Max, I believe. That one's on HBO. Max. It is, and Anne Hathaway also has the uh, worst actress nomination for that. Ooh. Yay! Two so in one Hathaway, year. Yeah, Anne Hathaway's on our maybe Razzie <laughs> list twice in one year. She's not going to be nominated for the other one though, right? She's it on the she's fault. on the list. I think she's nominated for two things. She wasn't um, that bad in the other movie. Hey, we'll, Come on. we'll pull up. We'll pull out that list in a minute. What's she the movie called? We just watched that like six weeks ago, and I can't remember what it was called. Yes. I don't want to tell him. I don't. What I don't, was it called? Oh my god, you guys! I, uh, yeah, don't don't see it. It's on Netflix. <laughs> don't 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 do it. Um, all right, people. So that is the, the things I wanted to say. I didn't. It's better, Dad, or so. I don't oh, know. Yeah, so anyway, right. yes. oh my god, we people, the last, we'll thing, the last thing he wanted. Mm. Was the last thing he wanted. Thank you so much, Dave. Dave. Don't go see that on Netflix. Um, we'll see you all soon. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. Have a good one. <laughs>